0: Is your home part of the Federal Register?
1: Um, it's not, and we've we've been going back and forth on whether we'll do that. Um, I've been trying to convince my wife to do it because whenever we go to sell it, I think it adds some cachet to say that your home is on the National Register of Historic Places. It's, I mean, I looked it up, I think it's the 274th oldest house in America.
0: Whoa, where did you
1: look that up?
0: Welcome to Elements of Styles, the business podcast that trades in scarce thinking for community, conversation, and ideas in abundance. Each week, I, Mark Styles, sit with professionals and entrepreneurs, both local and global, and learn how they each add value to their communities, their partners, and their teams. Please enjoy. Hey, folks, welcome back to Elements of Styles. Today, I'm grateful to have Bruce Rutter of Keller William Real Estate here on the South Shore specializing in historic homes. Welcome to the show, Bruce. Thanks for having me, York. So Bruce, why are you so passionate about historic homes specifically?
1: Well, I think it started when I was a kid. My father was a history buff and he used to take me to the library every Saturday morning and he would load up with books mostly on the civil war and the second world war he fought in the second world war. Um, and I would go into the kid's library and find books, you know, about history and take them home. And the library itself was an historic building. It was called the Veal town tavern. And it was near where George Washington camped with his army in, in Morristown in Northern New Jersey. And I think it, there was just something about that, the smell of it, the kind of creaky floors, the feel of it. Cause, um, I grew up in a a 1950s ranch house that my father designed and built himself. It had absolutely no character whatsoever. And um, I think, you you know, you want what you didn't have. So that combination of history, um, I got interested in architecture when I was a teenager. I probably should have been an architect. So I've had this kind of lifelong love of architecture and history. And the two of them come together in old houses. So, you know.
0: I love it. So do you envision the people who were first creating those houses when you're walking through a house, what they were thinking, why they made the decisions they made, what materials they had available to them and the folks employable.
1: Well, uh, for a house like mine, the, what was available to them was what they could cut down, <laughs> you know? Really? Well, my house was the first part of it was built in 1680. Wow. Um, it was built by a man named Josiah Keene, who I discovered two years ago was actually my ancestor. Really? I lived here for 33 years and didn't know that my umpteenth great-grandfather actually built the house. That <laughs> so, is amazing.
0: How did you find yeah. that out?
1: I was doing ancestry research on ancestry.com, and I found a woman named Catherine Bishop, who was my great-great-great-great-great-great-grandmother. She was born in Pembroke in 1701, and Pembroke was part of Duxbury then. And I thought, wow, I wonder if she knew the Keynes. You know, they could, could have been more than a mile or two apart. And I kept digging and she was the granddaughter of Josiah Keene. Wow. And that's a
0: big name in Duxbury. I think we've played on a Keene baseball field before. There's a Keene Street as well, right? Yep.
1: It's called Keene Street because it leads to my house. (laughs) So
0: So that was the driveway to the Keene home. Yep.
1: Same family, owned it for 250 years. It was bought by a Cambridge businesswoman in the early 1920s who you know, spent a lot of time and money fixing it up, shoring up some structural problems, stripping off old wallpaper. She put the first plumbing in the house, um, and she lived here until 49, and then several people owned it afterwards. And then we came along, a young couple in the in the late 80s, and saw this kind of sad-looking house. In fact, I have a picture of it sitting in the woods, and um, we pulled up to it, and I think we were in the house for 10 minutes. And I said to my wife, do you want to buy this house as badly as I do? And she said, yes. And the realtor was shocked. You know, we looked at one other house and uh, because I think there was something in the house calling to me.
0: That's interesting. Was- That's really interesting. Is there a group, a contingency of people that feel that same love for historic homes?
1: It's interesting to ask that because almost 20% of houses on the South shore were built before 1900. And so they're definitely considered antiques by everyone. And yet last year of the 4,000 some odd homes sold from Milton to the canal, only 120 of them were, were antiques. So they, I think it's because people love them and they live in them for a long, long time.
0: Right. Because of the character. Is your home part of the federal register?
1: Um, it's not, and we've we've been going back and forth on whether we'll do that. Um, I've been trying to convince my wife to do it because whenever we go to sell it, I think it adds some cachet to say that your home is on the National Register of Historic Places. It's, I mean, I looked it up. I think it's the two hundred and seventy fourth oldest house in America. Whoa! Where did you look that up? Someone did a somewhere on. Uh, you know, I Googled it and someone did a study of old houses and had them ranked from the oldest house up to whenever. And I just counted up through them until I came to my house, which was listed. And I think it was 274. Which was listed. That's yeah. fascinating. So what is the
0: cachet around having it federally registered versus the, you know, the benefit
1: versus the detriment? Well, the benefit is uh, you get to say it's, you know, it's a, it's a registered place. And there aren't that many of them and uh, anything that makes a house stand out gives it cachet someone famous living there something yeah. ha- that happened on it uh, you know something unique about its design because most houses are pretty straight ahead i mean around here they're they're capes they're raised ranches <laughs> they're colonials they're maybe a sort of greek revival but
0: so what is the qualifications of becoming registered then
1: um, you have to go and uh, fill out an, an application and explain you know, the background on your house, and more often than not, it, it's accepted. I mean, our house is, has been documented by the Duxbury Rural and Historical Society. Uh, they don't know exactly when it was built, but they're, they think it's around 1680, so I would include all of that in it. Um, one of my neighbors lives in an old house, and she wants to create a, what she's calling the Ashdod uh, Historic District. We're off on the backside of town. We're not down with the rich people by the water. Um, and there are a number of really nice, you know, modest-sized old houses within about a half a mile of us. And so it would it would kind of give this neighborhood a little cachet to say it was an historic district. Um, there is almost no downside to it because there are no requirements. Uh, if you're registered, uh, it doesn't mean that you, can, you can't um make changes to the house or paint it. My house is purple. It's dark purple. (laughs) Um, You could paint it any color you want to. You could change out the windows. Um, Unless you take um, money, there's some uh, federal loans that are available for people with historic houses. And if you do that, then there are some exterior criteria that you have to follow, but they're pretty generous. So that's interesting. What
0: about the local level of historical societies and such?
1: Well, this is one of the myths of old home uh, purchase. People think, oh my God, you buy an old house and you know they won't let you do anything to it. Well, for starters, what some people call hysterical societies. Um, around here, they don't have any say over what goes on with homes. They really are in the business of trying to preserve local homes. So like the Duxbury Historical Society owns a number of really nice old houses and their museums, you can, you can go in them. They have a library, they have resources for people who old who own old homes to help them out with them, but they, they can't really say anything about what you do. What can occur is the town can create a, a local historic district, and then there are um, qualifications, usually for the, the, the street-facing exterior of the house.
0: Is that typically the only restriction is the street-facing exterior? You can build out back, you can build do whatever you want inside doesn't matter the time exactly inside
1: and sometimes there's uh like in duxbury they have no say over um the color of the house they just they want you to if you can to keep what would be traditional for that house uh for windows and siding so they wouldn't want you to come put fake stone on the front of it or something like that but um they're, they're, they're pretty open minded i mean we were um, selling a house up in norwell like an 1820s cape and uh, Someone had put skylights on the front of it, and normally that would be a, a no-no, but it wasn't in a local historic district, so it didn't matter.
0: So do you do the research and the history on these homes when people are asking you to help market them for them?
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, the more story that you can uh, present, the better, because people are they are buying a, a structure. They're buying a place where their family is going to come and create stories. Um, and they like the idea of connecting to other stories. So, I mean, if you want to buy a new house and start fresh, you don't want anybody's stories. You want a brand new house, spanking clean, white walls. Um, but if you're looking for a place with character, you know, you you expect that it has history and that people have lived there. And you, the more you can learn about it, the better. I mean, that was one of the things until i found out that my ancestor owned our house i always wondered like well what was it like for them living here right you know what was it like in in 1720 when somebody gave birth to their eighth kid in the boarding room you know and, uh, what was it like for that woman corinne loomis when she fixed the house up in, in the 1930s and they wrote a magazine article about showing before and after so um, i think some of it is to to see what you can gather from the history of the house. And some of it is from the current owners.
0: I would imagine that that's, that's the mystique around it is that story and kind of transporting yourself back in time to a a different era. Uh, But I heard somebody say something really interesting to me uh, a bunch of years ago, and it was around the ownership of land. And he was really profound and said, you know what? I don't, look at it as though I own it I'm the custodian of it for now and somebody else will be the custodian and many many before me were the custodians of this land it's not my land and I would imagine that's similar with the historical home owner feeling
1: I think very much so and the the more connected you become to it the more you learn about who who was there beforehand Um, the more you start to see yourself as part of a continuum I mean, and I think that kind of talks to, you know, old houses aren't museums. They're not uh, frozen in time. Because if you froze my house in time when it was built in 1680, it was only two rooms. It had a fireplace. Everybody slept on mattresses on the floor except mom and dad who had a bed. It was cold. It was dingy. It probably had two little tiny windows in it. It's like no, It was like old Plymouth Plantation. You know, nobody wanted to live like that you know, and as soon as they could, they added more rooms on and they got bigger windows and they, they modernized their, what we think of as antique houses. And you look at um, a typical old house, you know, anywhere on the South shore, they, they kind of ramble, you know, there's the original core of the house and then there, there's a kitchen wing on the back. And sometimes they connect all the way out to a carriage house or a barn and, and you're sensitively, you know, bringing parts of your house up to the 21st century is you know, is, is a good thing. It's part of what Makes it a you know a living entity. So this isn't
0: your first career, Bruce. Tell me how you found your way into real estate and the niche of of historic homes.
1: Okay, well, I started in the world of advertising in 1977, and I worked my way up quickly. I was an executive in ad agencies in New York and Boston. I went out on my own, and I was a marketing consultant in the 90s. I had a lot of fun. Um, I worked. In the nonprofit sector for a while, I was the chief marketing officer of a international kids charity. I was the CEO of the Rhode Island Red Cross, and then I came back uh, after I left the Red Cross. Came back to consulting, and about five years ago, I said, "You know, I'm getting too old to chase around every possible client. I think I need to focus on the things I care about." And I did a lot of soul searching, and I and I I care about sustainability, things that deal with the environment. I, I care about education, and I care about architecture and history and so I you know I've been focused on them for probably five or six years I, I still have some small marketing clients I work with um, I did a lot of work with the Boston Architectural College I wrote all of their feature articles for their alumni magazine I interviewed lots of young architects and and then I said to myself well you know I'm getting to the point in my life where I, I need to think about, a career that I can take out into kind of the beginning of retirement. And marketing is not something you want to do when you're over 50. It's really kind of a young person's business. And I thought, you know, here I am. I've loved architecture and and houses and old houses, you know, since I was a kid. You know, why don't I go into real estate? Because the real estate world could use somebody who really understands what it's like to live in, (laughs) be a caretaker of an old house, and how to find the people who want to buy them and market well to them. And I really like to write. I'm a good writer. So I've been uh, putting all those skills and passions together.
0: I love it. I love it. It is. It's It's the culmination of so many different things. And there's so much, I don't want to say misinformation because it's such a, 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 a phrase that gets people triggered, but... Um but there's a lack of knowledge out there when it comes to historic homes. So what are you doing to get your messaging out there? What are you using from your marketing background to help push your passion out there?
1: Yep. Well, it starts with really looking at uh, at a property as a potential brand. And that means really digging down into what makes it unique, what gives it the most character, and then thinking about who the perfect buyer is for that house. Uh, You can do an open house and, you know, not tell anybody about it, and a bunch of people will drive by and come in, and they'll spend five minutes there and walk out. Or someone's going to drive down from, you know, an apartment that they own in, in Back Bay or the South End, a young couple with children who now realize that with being able to have a hybrid work schedule. They could live in Duxbury or they could live in Hingham and not have to commute every day. They live in an, in an old building and they want to buy an interesting old house. They have certain specific interests or needs that relate to that house. And that's the person that you're trying to attract. Because that's not, that's
0: not everybody. I mean, there are people (laughs) um, and I am one of them who does not, find antiques or older homes appealing. Um, And that's me, right? That's my own perspective. So how do you find these people? Because your folks who are selling those those houses are really counting on you to find those people.
1: Yep. Well, it's a combination of the right message because those people are searching. They're doing a lot of the research on their own. You know, they're going to, Zillow and every other possible site, there are some sites you know, that deal with historic homes. So if you're registered on them or advertise on them. Um, so some of this is is that. Some of it is, is the, the, the right message. So when they see it and read it, they go, oh my God, that's our house. And then they get in their car and they come down to take a look at it. And hopefully they call, if they're looking for a buyer's agent, they call me and I take them around. But you're also
0: building community, right? Through blog, right? Tell us about your blog.
1: Well, every couple of weeks, I blog on um, topics that relate to what I call homes with character, because I'm interested in not just antiques, but new houses that are full of character, craftsmen, bungalows. I don't think of them as antiques, but, you know, they have a lot of character. So I write about different architectural styles. I write about hidden gem neighborhoods, Because, you know, people, they know their own neighborhood, but surprisingly, you could live in Marshfield all your life and not know about some really interesting back roads and streets in other towns near you. If you're coming here from the city or you're relocating from outside of Massachusetts, you don't know anything about it. So I've written about Marshfield Hills, about Kingston Center, Hanover Four Corners. I just wrote a blog about West Duxbury, which is the most obscure part of Duxbury. (laughs) and a little neighborhood next to it called Brimstone Corner in Pembroke. Just very interesting back road full of really charming old and new houses. Um, I do profiles of houses that are interesting. Um, Did one down the road from us. Uh, I went to visit the couple there who were now clients of mine. and um, I've always thought my house was the most interesting house in Duxbury. When I left, I said, "Nope, you guys, your house is more interesting than my house. It just had the most amazing collection of things in it, including a music studio, because one of the owners is a is a musician. Um, and I also write about um, ways to give houses more character and add value at the same time. So I just did a blog on the value of landscaping. And that's
0: true for any home, right? That doesn't have to be an interesting it's, home. That could be a cookie cutter colonial or a post-World War II ranch, right? Exactly. So, so Bruce, what are some of the, the easy things for people to do to make their home more appealing or interesting if they're looking to potentially sell it in the next few years?
1: Well, the entryway is probably the place that most people should focus their time on. When I say entryway, I, I mean more than the color of the door. Um, I wrote a blog a couple of months ago about there were a lot of claims that if you paint your your front door black, it increases the value of your house by $6,000. Well, if you drive around, every fourth house has a black door. <laughs> so obviously that doesn't work. But if you think of the the whole surround to the front door, so it's the front door, if there's a little porch over it, if there are windows next to it, the front stoop, landscaping, pots with flowers that you can put on it, that's the first thing that people see when they drive up.
0: Is that see, considered the, the curb appeal? Quote yep. unquote.
1: Okay. So if you have it, you've done something to make the that front entryway really nice and and potentially a little different from everybody else's house. People will pull up and go, oh wow, look at this house. Now they're predisposed to see it as a as an interesting house that's been well taken care of. Uh-huh. If the roof is fixed and they go inside and the floors have been done over, um, more often than not, they're now convinced it's a nice house.
0: Interesting. So they're convinced as they're stepping in and then it's confirmed once they see that it's been well taken care of. Interesting. It's that first impression.
1: Exactly. Well, it's like, um, if you hire someone to stage the house for you, which can be a very helpful thing because more often than not people, they have too much in their homes. It can be a little too eclectic or that where they, it's not very interesting. So if you hire a stager, they make the inside look nice, but they can make that, that front part of the outside look well. Huh. I think of it as just like exterior staging. Got it. Got it. So Bruce, let's
0: let's talk about somebody who has uh, found you and asked you to market their home and everything went really well. They had a closing and they're sitting down at the computer and they're going to write out a review for everyone else to learn about mm-hmm. Bruce. What, what ideally would that
1: say? Well, I think it would say that Bruce understood why they loved their house and helped them find someone who would love it as much as they did.
0: Oh, I love that. That is uh, a cool review. So anyone who's worked with Bruce who hears that, make sure to get on the Google machine and type that quote. <laughs> quote. So Bruce, we've talked about on this podcast a bunch about you know uh, expanding your comfort zone, being an early adopter, getting out there and And doing things, scaring yourself and changing careers and such. But one of the things we love so much, and we're going to gather everyone together, is a group networking event with karaoke. So Bruce, (laughs) you're up next on the mic. What are you going to sing?
1: I'm going to run out the door.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We're not going to let you. The door shut. Oh, my God. And we're going to push you back up to the stage. And it's your turn. What do you say? Yes.
1: I think I'm in the same time as on my side.
0: By the Rolling Stones. Yeah. I like that. I'm gonna yeah. write that one down. So because then you go <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that was on uh, one of my first Rolling Stone albums. They did a live uh, they did a live album. I saw that in the movie theaters actually. It was Ooh. um it was when Tattoo You came out in nineteen eighty one. They had a mm-hmm. they they had a movie theater production of their I think it was Shea Stadium show. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I heard that song in it's a great one. I can't wait to hear you sing it. Yeah, you're not going to.
1: I, <laughs> I, saw, I saw the Rolling Stones in 1972 at the Spectrum in Philadelphia. Wow. It was right after the Sticky Fingers album came out, yep. the one with the zipper on the front. Yep. And they, did, they played everything from that album and from Get Your Ya-Ya's Out, which I always said was a Catholic mass done for rock and roll.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. So most important question of them all, Bruce, And I'm curious for uh, finding out where to find the blog, but how do people reach you
1: best? Okay. Well, the easiest way to find me is brucerutter.com. Nice. So I have a website. It talks about my background in marketing. Uh, It spells out uh, clearly if you want to, if you have an unusual home and you want to sell it, the kinds of things that I'll do that distinguish me from what I call generalist realtors. I mean, there are a lot of really nice, great people who you know will do a great job selling a Garrison Colonial in a subdivision, but they don't necessarily understand what it means to love an old house and how to market it well.
0: Do you find other agents looking for you for sage advice also?
1: Yes, I think uh, I've been doing a lot of open houses for colleagues uh, when yeah. they're older houses because I can talk them up and talk about what you can do and get them closed you know, was, yep i mean i was surprised one of the last ones we did about two out of three people who came in were couples under 40 they were all younger people eager to buy an old house and fix up a lot of them said we're just tired of all these look-alike houses we want something different
0: i've heard that about the upcoming generation they're going back we had a podcast with uh, bonnie bongiolati talking about some of the um consignment items that the younger generations are going back and getting these nice old pieces these antique pieces to create a little uniqueness in their home i think that's okay. really cool so Brucerudder.com, r u t t e dot com r-u-t-t-e-r dot com bruce dot com and i assume you can sign up for your blog on that landing page
1: you can get it there yes You want to email me, I'm at brucerutter at kw.com.
0: At kw.com. Awesome. Great resource. Bruce, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your knowledge. And folks, if you heard this and you've got a friend who's looking for an antique or a unique home, or you have one and you're looking to sell, please share this with them. Thank you again, Bruce.
1: Thanks so much. Thanks for having me.
0: Folks, this has been another exciting episode of Elements of Styles. If you learn something, if you're moved or impacted, or again, if you thought of somebody, send this to them. Share it with everyone and anyone, why not? Thank you folks for listening and we'll speak with you next week. Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice for a new episode each week and share this with everyone and anyone If you have any questions or comments or have an idea for another guest, feel free to shoot me an email at mstiles at styles-law.com. That's M-S-T-I-L-E-S at styles-law.com. And if you are a real estate professional, be sure to check us out on our private exclusive Facebook page, The Real Estate School at 892 for content and Massachusetts continuing education opportunities. Be well, folks. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. The podcast is not a comprehensive overview of the subject and is not intended to provide legal or financial advice or an endorsement of any product or business. The views expressed by podcast guests are their own and their appearance on the podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Please seek legal, financial or tax advice before taking any action on the matters or products discussed herein.